had really been sprinting for four years. That's one thing about a startup that's tough is every day is an important day. I would get out of bed every morning feeling like if I didn't bring my A game today, it would impact the team. It could impact the business. So there was a constant level of stress of this X million dollar number is on my head and I am the one responsible for getting there. Welcome to Decision Point, a podcast about mental toughness and overcoming adversity in sales. I'm Brad Seaman. All right, I'm excited today to have on Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett was a one of the early employees at Pardot um, before they sell to Exact Target and on to Salesforce. Um, she then went to People Matter, um, took a job at Sales Loft as an early executive there. And then she was transitioned from player to coach while she's at Terminus. And she's the VP of sales up into the $20 million mark. And then she takes a little hiatus, uh, works as a consultant. Uh, with Scaled around sales and sales operations. And then today she is the director of sales for Twilio in the mid-market. So I'm excited to have Tony on today. She's going to talk about her relationships, her experience, and what it's like moving from player to coach. So let's, um, let's start with, you know, kind of tell me your story. How'd you get into, how'd you get into sales? Well, like a lot of people, it was an accident. I was pre-law, set to go to law school, realized I had a lot of student debt and shouldn't do that. Uh, a mentor of mine was a VP of sales at a division of UPS and encouraged me in that direction. Um, I didn't know much about sales. I was really bad at it at first, but it was a job and a way to pay down some school debt. And over time, I realized, especially as I got into a really interesting role at a startup, how fun and interesting sales really could be and how much it's about problem solving and helping versus pushing, uh, which was my previous perception. So uh, sort of accidental, but uh, started at UPS and got a great base there. So, so, once you, what's your, so what was your next position after, after UPS? Is that when you stepped into Terminus? No, actually, I had a short stint at a company called JobServe. I was moving to Atlanta right before I got married. Uh, it was a, a job board, um, online job board in, in Atlanta. Um, that was a bit of a stepping stone to getting a role at Pardot in sales. So when I joined the Pardot team, I think I was in the first 50 employees. They had just won best place to work in Atlanta, uh, had a lot of momentum and kind of exciting buzz. Um, I joined as an AE and that's really where I fell in love with sales. The experience of working with people who were in their 20s, who all were really authentically themselves on the phone with their customers. And like we just talked about, the UPS sale was kind of hard to wrap your mind around because I wasn't selling a thing. And what really helped me to make some big strides forward in my uh, sales acumen was having a software that tangibility of it really helped me to sink my teeth into how to sell something and really perfecting the art of uh, discovery to understand needs, to point to features, to show in a demo, uh, to, you know, win the business. And so that role was really crucial to me, discovering how much I enjoyed the sales profession um, and just kind of helped me take things to the next level and build more confidence. So when you're so the part of, part of it's interesting because you're in Atlanta, we're in Indianapolis, 
exact target ends up yeah. buying Pardot and then gets purchased by Salesforce. Um, just real quick, can you tell us about that that story? Because I know that it was a, a, a wild ride um, that, that David had started Pardot. Uh, you guys were, were scaling up. Um, could you just sort of take us back a little bit? You know, Pardot was such an incredible uh, utopia. Everybody got along and were friends and the benefits and perks uh, it was such a neat place, and I didn't realize part of the reason that Pardot, uh, the Pardot founders could treat us to all of these things was because they had mostly bootstrapped the company off of another business David had, had given him some runway. And so um, it was a really special place, and the technology, you know, I, I joined right as marketing automation was starting to take off. So it was a really cool time to be there. Um when we got acquired, I had never been through that. So I was pretty nervous and the experience was actually really wonderful. Exact target leadership as virtually everyone I've met from Indianapolis, they were just really nice, kind people. The business was very people focused, similar to how Pardot was. And so there was a really good matchup of cultures. Um, they kind of let us operate as a separate business unit. And so we still had things running almost as they had been, but with some extra firepower, extra budget for marketing, and a bunch of sales reps on the exact target side now passing us leads. So um, that, that integration was actually pretty successful. And I imagine a big reason why they acquired, uh, acquired Pardot was to be acquired by Salesforce. So when the second acquisition happened, that's where everything started to change. The Salesforce culture was quite different and structure was quite different than uh, what we had experienced. And so that changed things quite a bit um, after that acquisition. And yeah. So I did. So this is exciting. I didn't realize that you were, you know, one of the first 50 employees at Pardot, um, which, you know, like, I, as I mentioned, it's interesting to hear kind of your, your perspective. Um, yeah. Well, what's fascinating about this conversation, I think, you know, one, kind of how you guys positioned yourself in the market, but two, sort of knowing where that you that you moved into Terminus, then eventually at Twilio, is that you have these really kind of three different um, business experiences, and um, they're all different. And I think they all probably teach you something um, specific that you've learned at each stage. So I, I'd love to sort of learn to... To understand, you know, hey, once you transitioned from Pardot, what was the next step? And then what did you feel like you learned there? And then on to where you're at today. Once the Salesforce acquisition was complete and we went through the process of really changing things over, at the time I was young and stubborn and I loved um, a lot of the benefits I had gotten and the, really the flexibility and freedom of working for a startup. So I followed a previous manager who still remains a mentor of mine to People Matter. Um, unfortunately, didn't stay there long. Came back home to Atlanta and worked for Salesloft. Uh, Kyle Porter, they used to share an office with us at Pardot. So I know, knew him pretty well. Uh, reached out, told him I might be interested in leaving People Matter. He said, hey, if you want a spot at Salesloft, come on over. So I was one of the first eight sale sellers at, at Salesloft. So is this uh, pre, this is pre-email then, right? Are they still selling the data tool? Yes, they were, okay. we were still selling the data tool at the time. Actually, we had just, we had just launched Cadence and we're just starting 
to sell it. At the time, we had one or two sellers just focused on that product. And by the time I left, we were all starting to sell it. Um, I was really happy there. They, they continue to do really well. I've been really excited uh, to continue to follow Sales Loft. Um, I had planned to stay, was happy there, but the opportunity to build the sales team at Terminus came along. And so it was something I couldn't pass up. Um, so then at Terminus was when I joined as the director of sales. Myself and one other salesperson sold the first million dollars for Terminus until I was able to build out a team step out of the player coach role uh, and just, you know, focus on building that team, uh, moved into the VP of sales role and helped scale the business to 20 million in recurring revenue. what do you feel like you learned? So you've made this transition from salesperson to um, VP or player to coach. Uh, what was the hardest thing about making the transition from player to coach? And what's the one thing that you feel like you learned in that scenario? It's, it's a totally different role. It's a totally different job. So it's definitely a big transition. Um, I think the biggest learning early on, part of what motivated me early on, I've always been kind of a builder and like to figure things out. Uh, I got really excited about the opportunity of building a team. And then as you start to grow that team, you realize the importance of the actual team. It's not about you or how much you are excited to build and tinker. It's about um, finding a way to attract great people, keep them motivated and happy. All the dynamics of managing people and personalities and having to have hard conversations and disappointing conversations, uh, looking somebody in the eye and telling them that something's not working. Um, yeah, there's a lot about that that was a uh, <laughs> led to a lot of good learnings. I mean, there's definitely a different, yeah. I mean, moving from, from the player role to the coaching role, um, you, obviously there's, you know, really big transitions. You got to have hard conversations. Not that you're not having hard conversations with clients, but you're having them with people that you work with on a, on a day-to-day basis. And you're trying to build a, you're trying to build a, a growing software company with all its complexities. Um, yeah, so you make, I mean, I was just going to say one of the, the biggest things that I definitely learned very quickly in that role and um, have have tried and will always take with me is um, sometimes you want to avoid having an uncomfortable conversation or let something slide, um, but inevitably it gets worse when you do that. It is far better to address something early. Make sure you've, you know, let it sit for a little while, have done your homework, have clear data points. Uh, you don't want to be quick to criticize without really understanding, but uh, making sure that you are being direct and honest and giving people the chance to explain or to talk through their perspective on it, uh, doing that stuff early and really staying in touch with people, even when it's uncomfortable. I think that was a really Im important skill to learn. And I say skill because it can be learned by anyone, but even when you learn it, it's something that you can not exercise well. So it's like a discipline you have to continually exert. Um, well, I think there's something, you know, when you, the, as you're saying that I'm thinking the word dignity, you know, you're keeping the dignity of your sales reps and team and how important that is to building a good culture, um, having the tough conversations, but, but, but allowing, um, there to be good, healthy interaction that, so you're not tearing, not tearing people down. Absolutely. Um, okay. So you're, so you have the, the, the you move from player to coach. Um, you guys have 
crazy, crazy revenue growth. And then you make a pretty big transition, right? Well, I had my daughter who just recently turned two. So I, I had my daughter, I was out on maternity leave, uh, right about the point where we hit that 20 million mark in about four years and ended up, um, taking a step back and doing some consulting for a while. So after my daughter, I didn't go back to Terminus. I did some consulting with mostly local companies, but I also worked a little bit with Scaled, which is a great um, consulting group led by Jake Dunlap, uh, who is really good on LinkedIn if you're looking for any support on the sales side. And um, so I did some work with him. I did some work on my own. I was debating whether or not I wanted to start my own business doing that sort of thing full time and spent a year just trying to figure out um, how to make sense of this crazy experience I had just had. I had been running. I had really been sprinting for four years. That's one thing about a startup that's tough is every day is an important day. Um, I would get out of bed every morning feeling like if I didn't bring my A game today, it would impact the team. It could impact the business. So there was a constant level of stress of this X million dollar number is on my head and I am the one responsible for getting there. Right. Um, there was, and, and that's exciting and motivating, but it was just a sprint. And so taking some time to step back, really think about what parts of that experience were invigorating and exciting, what parts had become draining and exhausting, and then figuring out who am I as a mother and what does that mean for my life moving forward and for my work life moving forward. Um, it was really a time to reflect while continuing to learn. So I got to work with some really incredible companies, some really great startups in Atlanta, um, learn about different businesses and sales motions, work through some pretty complex problems. Uh, I enjoyed that very much, but ultimately decided that um, I don't like to be my own boss. I like working for entrepreneurs. I don't want to be an entrepreneur. And so I started trying to figure out where my new home would be. I talked to about 50 different companies throughout that year. And there are lots of interesting opportunities, but nothing really felt right. And when I started talking to Twilio, I really thought the company was going to be too big. And I, my role, my title was VP. Um, I knew the title wouldn't be the same. And so I really had to do some self-reflecting to figure out what do I really like and enjoy? What do I want to do? And how much do things like title even matter? And ultimately what I decided was the things that I really loved about the startup world, getting to build, uh, getting to build a team and work with people and help them get better at their craft, um, this role at Twilio had to help uh, grow this new market segment. So we were just spinning off a mid-market segment. Uh, and I would be joining to manage the East Coast and build up the team. Uh, so it had the building of a startup, but without as much of the early stage stress and pressure and to work under really tenured and experienced leadership. The VP that I roll up under, it's been 18 years at Salesforce and some time at companies before, has so much wisdom. <laughs> I've learned so much from him already. And so it, it was just... You know, I think if I had gone straight from Terminus to something new, I don't know that I would have been open to this role. But in, again, really reflecting on strengths, areas where I wanted to grow more and what I really wanted in a job, 
it actually ended up being a really good fit. Um, so, so the one thing that sort of strikes me is the, you know, a, a lot of people that we sell to, particularly on the sales side, I know the titles are important and you took a step down, you know, from, from title or this could per, be perceived that way, but you seem to have found yourself in a place that you're really happy. Yeah, look, it's not even comparable, right? A VP, again, my my boss who's our VP has like, you know, 25 plus years of experience building and scaling sales orgs. Uh, the comparison isn't the same. And so uh, I very quickly was able to get over that. Uh, what's more important is, is the role challenging? Is it satisfying? Am I learning something new? Um, am I in a business where there's incredible growth potential? Um Twilio to me was such a big company. And now that I'm in it, it's so funny. Our CEO constantly says, we're still at day one. There's so much in store for Twilio. And so to think about that, like Twilio still sees itself as a startup and still sees itself as, you know, a young early stage company. And so uh, it still, again, has those elements of early stage and building and figuring it out. Uh, and so I don't think title matters whatsoever. And the other thing I'd say, in some ways, my scope has reduced, but I wouldn't say the level of responsibility has reduced. I mean, I'm still responsible for pretty much about as much revenue as I was at Terminus. And there was a lot of freedom within this role to really be entrepreneurial with my uh, region, with my part of the business. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's really exciting. So, so here, so... Um... So this is a fascinating conversation, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to something you said early early on. Um, you talked about moving from a solution sale to a software sale. So as you move from UPS um, and then into your into your role at Pardot, that you finally mm -hmm. had something that you could point to. Can you talk a little bit about the difference um, from the about a, a selling a, a service or or maybe a complex product that has lots of uh, different avenues versus selling a software. Absolutely. So stepping into Twilio, for anyone who doesn't know, I mean, Twilio has a suite of communications or, or what we call now customer engagement APIs. So um, if you've ever called or texted your Uber or Lyft driver, if you've ever changed your flight with Delta, you've used Twilio. Um, we power some incredible brands and do some really powerful things, but a lot of people don't really understand all the things that Twilio can do. Um, we don't have a tangible out-of-the-box solution. And early in my career, that was really hard to wrap my brain around at UPS. Having that tangible software for a number of years uh, really helped for things to click. So now I could go back and do something like this. And look, the sale is, is very different. And Twilio in particular, we have a very unique uh, selling motion. Our business doesn't really work like other businesses. Uh, there's a lot of things that make it unique, including the fact that customers can just come and use Twilio and don't have to speak to a salesperson. There's no gate to just using the product and uh, moving forward without any support. So um, there's a number of things that make our sale complex. But to your point, Without having something to demo, I can't rely on a demo to get you interested or excited. I really have to understand what are you trying to build? Why is it important to your business? What outcome are you trying to drive with this? Oh, by the way, what are you planning to do in the next five years? And could Twilio power any of that as well? Could we be a strong long-term partner to power multiple parts of your business? Um, 
so the conversation is a lot more of a business conversation about what someone's trying to achieve and linking use cases and then products to it. Now, sometimes, of course, we'll start with a developer who's already midway through building a project. We may start off more tactical, um, just build trust, win some early business. But then usually we're trying to see who else in the business, what else might you be working on that we could partner with you on? So it's a, I don't know if I really answered your question, but it is a very different uh, type of sale. Um, now, transitioning a little bit, I know, and kind of getting into, you know, the, the adversity um, piece of the podcast here, this has been a tough year, I think, for everybody. Um, even companies that have had a lot of growth um, have still had to handle the curveball. Um, what's that been like for you, you and your team at Twilio? And then what are some of the tips that you would want to highlight um, to other people who are kind of in the middle of this? Well, first, uh, Twilio is really fortunate to be in a great position. As our CEO, Jeff, says all the time, we were made for a time like this. Not that we're in any way happy that this craziness has happened this year, but Twilio enables digital or remote experiences. So we can power you to drive deeper customer engagement through digital channels, even when you're remote. So Twilio as a whole, we've certainly have had certain industries that have decreased spend, but we've had a lot of new telehealth and uh, just virtual use cases pop up. Twilio is doing really well as a business. I would say in mid-market and in my region in the Southeast, that one of the challenges that we face is a lot of the bread and butter of Twilio customers have been the Uber, the Lyft, Airbnb. And Twilio works with a lot of non-traditional companies too, but uh, our region is a little greener. We're doing a lot of work to figure out how do we sell to logistics and uh, insurance companies in the Southeast who aren't as used to building out their own solutions. And so it has been a challenging uh, year for my team to really sink our teeth into a greener territory and figure out what parts of what Tolio has done really well today apply and where do we need to adjust a little bit to make sure that we are being relevant to our audience here. Um, how do we best leverage partners to help support that? And so I think our team has had our, had our own challenges. So talk to me a little bit. So, so I'm curious on something that you sort of skipped over a, um, a few times. And now we're talking about um, kind of green, green areas or new opportunities. Talk to me a little bit about the lead generation process when you don't have a product. Because I think generally <laughs> services are difficult to sell. When you, can, mm -hmm. when you can say, yeah, we do that, we do that, we do that. It's hard to get somebody focused on a, as it pertains to lead generation, right? So you think about historic lead generation, SDRs, um, you worked at sales off, you're a terminus. So you're obviously going after a group of clientele with a kind of predetermined problem that you think they have and you're yeah. presenting a solution, what you're selling today. And, and particularly as you introduce services, um, it's not like that. So do you have any, just talk about that whole process. Cause there's a huge, if you're listening and you're selling software or you're thinking about selling services or you've done either, they're different. So can you talk about the differences and how you generate leads or think about generating leads in a service-based yeah. business? It's totally different. Um, at Terminus, we were mostly an outbound shop. We had like two SDRs to one AE at, at a period of time. We are the total opposite business model. So 
I mean, Twilio went public with maybe five salespeople. The model was inbound. The company was growing like crazy just from developers understanding the vision of controlling their own roadmap, being able to build what they wanted, how they wanted, uh, not being dependent on out-of-the-box software. And so we had a lot of people coming to us, and we still do. Um, now that we are growing our sales org, we are, of course, pushing more outbound. And it is very tricky I wouldn't say we have a fully repeatable model because, to your point, because everything at Twilio has to be built and depends on what requirements are, there needs to be, if not a project, at least an initiative that we can hook onto. So maybe a business has a digital transformation initiative or are tasked with reducing or increasing efficiency, I should say, in their contact center there has to be something active that they are willing to spend budget on in order to engage with Twilio, which makes it really tricky to reach outbound to people. And there is going to be a little bit of luck in, again, do they have something ongoing that we can attach ourselves to? So the outbound motion is, first off, really trying to identify accounts that have a lot of potential. Because Twilio has so many solutions uh, the more potential use cases we could think about a company having, the more um, opportunities I have if I can get them on the phone to figure out a way we could work with them. So we're, we're trying to identify companies that have a lot of potential with Twilio. And then it's trying to hit on a theme we think would be relevant, especially vertical-based. So if you're in healthcare, you're probably thinking about deepening patient experience at a time when I can't actually get together with my patients as much, bring them into an office in person. So how do I simultaneously do more digitally while deepening customer relationships, uh, doing so efficiently where I don't need to double my contact center? And so those are the types of things that might get um, someone's attention in healthcare to speak with us. And then the use case could be telehealth. It could be some sort of patient engagement platform. It could be a number of other things. Uh, so we have to hit on bigger picture themes and business challenges that we believe a company might be thinking about. Okay, so I didn't mention it at the beginning of the show, but I had brought Tony on because she had had a significant impact in a, in a former guest, Morgan Ingram, who you, who you may know. He had a stay at Terminus. He's a a talking head and somebody that you would know in the sales space. Um, Tony had a very big impact on him while she was his VP of sales. And so I wanted to have her on the show. I'd heard her talk on Jim Brown's um, podcast on sales tuners. I was really impressed with, with her, with her story. Um, and the thing that sort of hopped out at me is, is she's talking about this, this transition it was kind of this unsaid, the thing that she didn't say is what popped out is that she had built, she's really built her career on these really strong relationships. And these relationships have moved her from one um, position to another. And then she talked about what she didn't talk about, but it was pretty obvious that, that she had built some really strong alliances that have impacted where she had been and where she is and most likely where she's going. But she also talked about, um, opportunities and, and seeing how those opportunities, like really seeing them for what they are as they come. And sometimes you have to step back to go forward and you have to think differently about the opportunity that's in front of you. 
And I think that's the one thing that I heard um, in her story is as opportunities have come her way, she's been able to really reflect, you know, have some self-awareness around what she's really good at. And since she has that type of self-awareness, she's able to really look at an opportunity for what it is and what it could be. And I think that's the one thing that I got out of this uh, interview this afternoon is if you know yourself well, then you can look at opportunities for what they really are and what they could be versus what you think they might be. And so that was a great, it was a great show, great podcast. I'm so grateful that she was on um, this afternoon. I think you guys are going to love it and enjoy it. And as always, if you want to get more of these great stories and great content and great takeaways, um, go to monsterconnect.com slash podcast. You can download the content. Um, you can also like us and give us a five-star review on Apple iTunes podcast. And until next time, don't let what you can't do interfere with what you can. Listen.